What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins. That is David Lake. We are going to talk Miami, Virginia Tech uh, on this episode of the podcast. A little preview uh, of that game, which will take place on Saturday. Going to get into some other things as well. David, what's up, man? Doing well. Uh, Looking forward to this game. It's a big one. I think you could make the argument, you know, with all the cancellations going on this this week in college football, this might be, you know, one of the best games of the weekend. And it, it might be the most entertaining game of the weekend, too. I think for the, you know, neutral, casual observer, this game could be a fun one to watch. Yeah, and it's in that like big uh, noon slate. You know, I think the noon games, a lot of people are flipping around looking for just a competitive con- contest, and like this will be one of the only ones. I guess one programming note: uh, it was on ESPN two. Now it's on yeah. ESPN. Um, right. But I think if you get ESPN, you're going to have ESPN two. I-, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's not on the ACC network, so. You know, most of South Florida is good to go with watching this week's game. Uh, again, I think it's an interesting game. We'll get into it here. Um, I didn't look. Have you have you seen an updated betting line? I keep seeing as two. of early this morning. I saw two. Yeah. So it's coming down a little bit. Um, you know, currently it is still two. So Miami is a two point underdog. Um, you know, which, which we'll get into. I, I kind of touched on why that would be the case earlier in the week on the podcast. I still can see it. I still understand it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if you're betting, it kind of makes sense to take Miami as an underdog. I don't know, but we'll get well, into that. Well, I mean, I, I guess let's start with this, this stat that I, I texted you, and this comes from Chris Felica at uh, the Bear on ESPN's College Game Day. This was before um, a bunch of these games got canceled. But he said this is the first week since uh, 2009, like late in 2009, um, where there was not a single matchup of AP-ranked teams in November. That week, four ranked teams lost to unranked teams, with three of those coming on the road. Two other games uh the ranked team won by a field goal so uh Miami's obviously ranked and playing on the road so um are you concerned I mean look I definitely think Virginia Tech is good enough to beat Miami I think if you're view I think most of our listeners aren't the casual college football fan necessarily that views Miami being ranked as a top 10 team and Virginia Tech being a team that is not ranked and scratching their heads wondering what's going on with this betting line. I think the listeners to this podcast understand that really Miami and Virginia Tech aren't all that far apart. And, you know, I've stated my, my hot take on this podcast numerous times here this season where, you know, after you get past those, I don't know, top six, top seven teams in college football, I think from 7 to 40, uh, any of those teams can beat any of those teams. You know, they can beat each other any given week. And so I think that's the case this week. Miami certainly had a, a better season overall to this point than Virginia Tech. But 
Virginia Tech definitely does some things that are, you know, at an elite level that Miami's going to have to deal with and, and going to have to handle. And if Miami doesn't handle those things, Virginia Tech has a very good chance to win this game. Does Brevin Jordan play? I, I'm not reporting anything, but I get the sense that, yes, I, I think he is going to play. Um, you know, Manny, ha- Manny Diaz has dropped hints uh, here and there. So I straight up asked him on uh, Wednesday. I knew, you know, he's not going to come out and say, but he, he, he did say he is hopeful that uh, Brevin Jordan's going to be able to play. He's also said, um, you know, the, the, what's the word, unavailabilities for the NC State game. They knew uh, of those players being unavailable early in that week leading up to the game. Uh, whereas against Virginia, they, um, they were kind of sprung on them 24, 48 hours uh, before that game. So what does that mean? You know, timeline matters with this COVID stuff. And we're not saying Brevin Jordan's COVID, all that stuff. We're kind of assuming, right? And so if Brevin Jordan tested positive early, um, you know, in the lead up to that NC State game, that means there are more days for him to, you know, quarantine or have to go through the protocols to come back. And so I think that's kind of what Manny Diaz is hinting at is that the days, the runway is there um, for Brevin Jordan to conceivably be back for this Virginia Tech game. And so I, I think he's going to play. But with that being said, I would still think, I, I kind of think Will Mallory might get the bulk of the, the snaps at tight end, even if Brevin Jordan is cleared. Um, but yes, I do think he'll play. Hmm. So you think Will Mallory has surpassed Brevin Jordan on the depth chart? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just, I'm just not sure what Brevin has been able to do. How much has he been able to fully practice? How much uh, has he, you know, been able to really immerse himself in the game plan, all that stuff. I just think, you know, it might be unrealistic to expect Brevin Jordan to just, immediately step in and and play his usual you know a ton of snaps like he normally does in a typical game I think he'll still play plenty um I just think it's going to be maybe a 60 40 split to Will Mallory we'll see you think Brevin given how this season has played out is, is definitely gonna have to come back next year uh I mean maybe to this point yeah but there's still opportunities, I think, for him to, to have big games. And I think if he has big games moving forward, um, I don't think that's necessarily something that should be assumed. Uh, but if, you know, if he doesn't produce, then, yeah, he's probably going to have to come back again for well, next that, year. That kind of leads into my next talking point, my next question. Uh, someone did, I don't know who I wasn't on the Zoom calls, ask Manny Diaz about what's next for Miami at quarterback and really what's next for Derek King. And I think Manny said, or something to this degree, I mean, I don't have the quote in front of me, but basically relayed that they haven't even talked with Derek about what 2020 yeah. is going to be. And I, I think that was kind of expected. 
Yeah, which I think is fair. And, you know, Manny honestly understood the question and, you know, validated it as a fair question, which it is. He said, you know, look, it's close to getting to that time where I do need to have that conversation with Derek. But right now, you know, he said, we're still kind of just focused on this season. Um, but he did say, you know, soon we're going to have to need to have that conversation. So it is going to be a conversation they have at some point during the season. Um, but they haven't had it yet. He did also say, you know, they're still recruiting high school quarterbacks. They are still certainly open to adding quarterbacks through the transfer portal. So, you know, all avenues are open with, with Miami quarterback acquisition, which, you know, you and I both know, we, we talk about plenty here on this podcast. Um, but it all starts like where Miami decides to go at that position begins and ends with what Derek decides to do yeah. in terms of coming back. I feel like they got to know pretty soon. I think so too. Um, we'll see. And honestly, a lot of it depends on how Derek performs, right? So if he puts together, you know, three straight games like he did at, you know, looking like he did at NC State, it probably makes sense for him to test those NFL draft waters. Um, you know, is that unfair to expect? Maybe. Um, but, you know, let's say his production drops a a little bit, but he still is pretty good. Um, I think you could make the case to Derek, hey, come back one more year. Uh, you know, it'll be a, a normal off season, hopefully. And you can build even more chemistry with these receivers. You can work with Rhett Lashley again. And I think you could show him recent examples of veteran quarterbacks who significantly increased their draft stocks as older players at the college level, you know, Joe Burrow at LSU, of course, went from being a, like a fourth, fifth round projection before that season to being the number one overall pick Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma made kind of a similar jump. I'm not saying Derek's going to be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft, but I do think there is potential that if he comes back for another year at Miami, he can make the case uh, to improve how the NFL uh, people view him. And, you know, there's guys at the NFL level, you know, Miami Dolphins fans saw Kyler Murray, um, you know, looking really good. And, and Kyler Murray is about the same size as De'Ara King. Now, Kyler Murray is more dynamic. He is a better player. But there are some similarities there just in terms of size. And size is going to be the biggest question mark for De'Ara King when talking about NFL. And so if Kyler Murray is out there, you know, having success, it might make the NFL uh, more amenable to uh, welcoming someone like Derek King in at quarterback, giving him a shot as well. Hey, interesting name. Uh, I don't know if he's officially in the portal, but he announced he's going to be in the portal. James Blackman at Florida State. A kid. Yeah. Yeah. Blackman to the U. Man, it's it's getting ugly up there in Tallahassee. It's it's tough times. Uh I mean I, I was just saying I think James has a could potentially land at Florida Atlantic. Like that would make a ton yeah. of sense. Um yeah. but there hasn't been any other big quarterback names that have entered the portal as of late, right? 
No, there hasn't. And, you know, it's going to be a, a floodgate situation, I think, you know, mid-December to mid-January, right? And it'll continue through the entire offseason. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it is hard to project. You know, Manny Diaz was also asked about the counter situation and how many recruits are they going to take. And he's like, you know, as far as we know right now, it's still 25. So that's what we have right. to operate under. There's right. a lot of uncertainty in general with college football, um, you know, in terms of roster management moving forward. I think we can assume that things are going to open up, you know, both with transferring and with the ability to add more than 25 players. But with the NCAA, it, you know, you can't really assume anything because logic kind of escapes them at times. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean – kind of sticking with the theme of that um dennis dot of cbs sports reported late wednesday that he believes or he's hearing the ncaa's temporary recruiting dead period will be extended uh into april so as of right now it's supposed to end um january 1st he thinks it's going to get extended to April, which means that college staffs will have not seen any recruits face-to-face -face for over a year because that, that period started back in March. Also means kids haven't been able to visit where anywhere. And it means if you're a class of 2021, 2021 recruit, there'll be no official visits. I mean, there was kind of a window I think people were holding out hope for where after the early signing period in January during those couple of weekends, you could visit yeah. places, but that got pushed back. And honestly, probably not surprising um, given the volume of case numbers. I think what yes, yesterday being Wednesday, uh, COVID-19 numbers were the highest they've ever been in the United States. And we've seen a, seen a ton of games um, get canceled. So it's just something else to kind of think about if you're Miami, like now your guys, your commits, like they definitely aren't going to have a chance to go visit some other schools. I think you could make the argument uh, for every school, like every college program, it would be smart. It would be smarter to devote your acquisitions to transfer portals rather than high school recruiting, maybe yes, this cycle. Dude. Right. No, so, I mean, think about it like this. And this has been the, like the chatter within the recruiting and, and coaching circles why run the risk of taking a guy that you don't really know how big he is? You haven't right. really seen him and bringing him in and then being tied to that kid for four years. I mean, yeah, right. obviously you could talk him into transferring out, but you still lose that counter at the same time. You can go get a kid out of the portal that, you know, has at least been working with some strength coach. Um, yeah. And you and know, the size, right, you know, right. There might be tape on him, you know, it's a safer take, in my opinion, to dip into the portal. Can I ask you your opinion on De'Ara King? Like, let's just say hypothetically, right? The rest of the season, he performs kind of like he did against Virginia, right? Dude, so, he's going. He's for sure going, okay. if that's what you're going to ask me. Okay. So Virginia, that performance is good enough the rest of the season for him to go. If he does that, Miami has a chance of winning out. Um, so it would be good for Miami as well, uh, but they would 
they would definitely need to dip into the portal again for another quarterback, in my opinion, right? Right, right. I mean, I, I keep thinking NFL throws from that Virginia game, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, he could regress. You know, it's not like everything has been excellent for Derek this season. There have been some struggles, mm-hmm. I mean, when you're playing mm-hmm. Clemson, but uh, there's been some other times where he's thrown some bad balls. I just think the Virginia game will be the tape that um, can kind of push him up or have some scouts kind of change their opinions on him. Yeah, Virginia, NC State, he's definitely on an upward trajectory right now. You can't deny that. And if he continues, you know, to play at that high level, um, yeah, it's going to, you know, it, it kind of comes down to does he get an NFL shot after this season? And if the answer is yes, you could argue it's, it's probably the smart thing to do for him to just jump at that, right? Yeah. So. I agree. Okay, let's um, let's take a quick break, and then we will get into full Virginia Tech Hokies conversation. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. David, um, I guess I got to ask you, if we're going to talk Virginia Tech, what is the latest on Khalil Herbert is he expected to play yeah. or have they not it's under it? yeah it's under wraps so you know nobody I don't see really any chatter out there um you know Virginia Tech is not officially saying anything either so you know I think it'll be probably a game time decision um and you know I, I said this in the last podcast but you know Khalil Herbert is going to want to play can he play? He's dealing with a hamstring and hamstring injuries are the type that linger for weeks. So, um, you know, I don't know how to even handicap it uh, in terms of what to expect, whether he should, whether he is going to play or not. Um, so I don't know, to be honest, I think it is a big deal if he can't go, but I'll say this, the guy that the guy that Miami needs to focus on, the guy that makes them go is quarterback Hendon Hooker. Yeah. I just I keep going back in my head to him last season running around in the first half, getting them out to the uh four yeah. score lead and then kind of holding on. I think if you're Miami and this is just maybe my mentality in life, like I would ex- expect Herbert to play, like prepare for the yeah. worst. Right. You got to do that. Yeah. Expect Herbert to play. If he doesn't, you know, it's not going to change anything game plan wise. Right. Um, It's just the talent 
that is the running back playing next to Hooker is is not going to be as great. So it, it would be certainly a, a good break for Miami if Herbert is unavailable. But, you know, that's also just going to mean more on Hendon Hooker's shoulders. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Hendon Hooker, you know, is a good dual threat quarterback that has the ability to handle that type of workload. So, um, yeah, who knows? We'll see. It's, it's a big deal if Herbert's out, but it, it shouldn't change anything from a game plan standpoint if he is out. Have you learned anything new about Virginia Tech since we did the last uh, podcast? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it, it's kind of a head-scratcher situation, you know, their defense being as poor as it is. Um, Cause they do have players. And I think the issue going on there is partly injuries and they were dealing with some COVID stuff. I think one guy I've kind of, I overlooked a little bit early in the week is Jermaine Waller, who is their best corner. And he's kind of been working his way back slowly, getting more and more snaps with each week. But I think He's still kind of dealing with this nagging hamstring injury is, is my understanding. And so he's co- not quite hundred percent effective like he normally is. And if he is, a, if he is at a hundred percent effectiveness, he's kind of an all ACC corner. Um, so he's a guy I've kind of been overlooking, I guess, leading up to this game early in the week. And, you know, like I said, if he is good to go hundred percent, He's definitely an impact player, a big-time player. But he's kind of been limited this year and hasn't really been playing at his usual self. And so really, I'll just – to me, Virginia Tech has better personnel than what we're seeing on defense in terms of production, like how they look. And so to me, it's a little bit head-scratching in terms of what's going on over there on the defensive side of the ball. Hmm. Well, let's kind of get into our usual game preview. Um, I guess let's start with the player or players you think are going to need to step up for Miami on Saturday. Yeah. So for me, you know, and and this is one of the, the, like the story of this game, honestly, is kind of, it's like a strength versus weakness kind of deal, right? So Virginia Tech is one of the best running teams in the country. And they do it multiple ways with Hendon Hooker, you know, read option, RPOs, design quarterback runs, all that stuff. They have Khalil Herbert, who's been one of the best running backs uh, in the ACC and in the country this year. Um, So from a Miami standpoint, they need to be a lot better stopping the run. So I'm looking mainly at the linebacker spot. And, you know, quite frankly, they need Bradley Jennings Jr. They need Zach McLeod, Sam Brooks, Corey Flagg to play their best games of the season this week. Um, if they don't, then, you know, simply Virginia Tech has a strong chance to beat you. So, uh, you know, it's going to be a frustrating game for the defense because Virginia Tech has one of the most efficient offenses in the country this year on first and second down they uh you know they run for 
five, six yards a pop almost every single time. So that, that leads to short third downs and which they, you know, convert more times than not. So uh, Miami needs to be good at keying in on the run. I think it does begin with Hendon Hooker, who is averaging 100 yards, 100 rushing yards per game this year um, as well. So, uh, you know, Zach McLeod, Bradley Jennings Jr., you guys got to step up this week. How much do you think we will see of Corey Flagg, assuming he's a go? Was he? Did he play last week, or was he? He was unavailable still. Okay. Yeah, I think he'll be back this week. I think he's gonna rotate in, um, but I don't think he'll rotate in as much as like Sam Brooks does uh, for Zach McLeod. So, on like it was interesting against NC State, Sam Brooks played more snaps than Zach McLeod uh, at weak side linebacker for the first time all season. So. It was, I think it was 34 snaps for Sam Brooks and 30 snaps for Zach McLeod. So, you know, Zach still got the start, but that transition away from Zach appears to be happening. I think it would have been happening for Corey Flagg as well and, and Bradley Jennings Jr. at middle, but, you know, the unavailabilities have slowed that down. So, you know, I think it'll be maybe a 65-35 split. Uh, going to Bradley Jennings with Corey Flagg back. Um, But certainly, you know, if Bradley Jennings Jr. is struggling out there, the coaches need to identify that and and start rolling with Corey Flagg. Yeah, that's kind of one of the underlying storylines, I think, of the game. Like, how much do we see of uh, Flagg? I wrote down in terms of the players or players that need to step up for my – I just said the front seven. I mean, you touched on a bunch of it there. Virginia Tech, number two rushing offense, according to the PFF, their grades. Also number seven offense overall. Like, I think, you know, Miami's going to have to hold these guys under a certain number, like maybe under 35 points or under 30 points, um, and then hope that you can outscore them on the other side of the ball. I, I, I think Virginia yeah. Tech – is going to score. Like, I think they're going to move it down the field. Yeah. Um, so you got to stop the bleeding and you know, that starts in that front seven. You, you got to make them or try to make them one dimensional, uh, try to make Hendon hooker beat you with his arm. And um, we'll see if, if Miami can do it, maybe, you know, turns Let me ask you this, what would you do? Like, let's say it's very hard to get this Virginia tech, offense into third and long situations because they do run the ball so well on first and second down but let's say Miami does get them in third and long situations how would how would you approach that would you go would you attack Hendon Hooker as a blitzer but with blitzes would you QB spy him I think you got to spy him right I think so so would you blitz and spy or I guess? <laughs> yeah, I think, I guess. This is you, like the, I, the issue of defending him. It's tough. I know. And then you're asking your corners to do a lot. And, right. But I, I, I will say, I don't think Virginia Tech's receivers are as good as um, NC State's, but watch someone will audio clip this and these guys will be catching <laughs> bombs down the field. Uh, I, I don't know what you do. I mean, I, I don't get paid to be a defensive coordinator. So. No, I know. I, this is this is the bind that they're, that Hendon Hooker puts you in, though, right? right? Like, 
And I don't know what the answer is either. I would probably go QB spy and drop guys, but you know, that's not necessarily what Blake Baker's about on third down and long. I mean, they, they do like to blitz, which. Well, they, they know, like, they like to do that package, which um, gets both strikers on the field. Like Keontre's out there, Gilbert Frierson. I think Amari Carter like shifts up into yeah. a linebacker role. I think you can still run that. Just don't send the house and, and keep all that speed on the field. And, Hopefully those three I just mentioned, you know, I, I think they're pretty sound and, and willing tacklers and you hope they make them in space in the alley. Um, right. I don't know. Like as cliche and like you could say this about any game, but I mean, man, holding them to field goals would, would, would do wonders. I yes. think the, one of the key things to watch in this game is going to be, okay, Miami gets them in third and long. How many times does Hendon Hooker scramble for first downs on those plays? If he if he's able to scramble for, you know, two, three, four first downs, those are going to be back 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 breakers, and it's probably not going to be a good sign for Miami's defense during the course of the game. Yeah. Um what wait, did you ask me a question there or no? Or you, that was that was I more did. of a th- that was more of a, th- that I was thought it. It was a I thought it was a thought, though. It was a thought, okay. but it started with a question. Okay. Well, I'm, I just watched Bryson DeChambeau double bogey on at the Masters. Oh, I, I, was, I was a little distracted. Sorry. I had to see his reaction. Um, re- re- repeat the question. Hendon Hooker. No, it's not a question. No, okay. we're good. So next talking point, potential player of the game for Miami. Who you got? This is an easy one. It's Derek King, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there is like I'm gonna take that fast break layup right now. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> Well, there's potential that he goes off again because um, We saw what Malik Willis did. Yeah, Malik Willis had a very good game against him or against Virginia Tech, and he has a similar skill set in terms of being, you know, an athletic runner and the ability to throw the ball downfield. Malik Cunningham, the Louisville quarterback, also had a good game against Virginia Tech as a dual threat guy. So that's a good pick. You know, the potential is there. I think I would be disappointed if King, if De'Aaron King doesn't have a good game against Virginia Tech. Um, My guy I'll go with is Jalen Phillips, who kind of along those similar lines too as Derek. He's on an upward trajectory, in my opinion. Like he's getting better and better and better with each week. Um, I think you're seeing him get more comfortable each week playing at his new weight. Uh, You know, he's weighing 270 pounds now. He's never done that before uh, on any level. And, you know, one of the overlooked things, I think, from that NC State game was just how impactful – Jalen Phillips was. He led the team with 10 tackles. Uh, he had seven quarterback pressures in the game. So he's really starting to turn it up. Uh, you know, Miami's going to need him to hound Hendon Hooker the entire game and, you know, make an impact not only as a pass rusher, but also with setting the edge against the run because Virginia Tech does like to do those outside stretch zone runs. So, uh, Jalen Phillips will be my pick. I think it's a good one. Him and Roche, I feel like have have gotten better, or yeah. have taken their games to a another level. Um, 
and they're, they're going to have to be disciplined against Hendon Hooker, but that's a, that's a good pick. Yeah, and Virginia Tech's offensive line, too, uh, grades out as the second-best line, run-blocking line, in the ACC behind only Notre Dame, who we all know is you know has monsters up front. So this Virginia Tech offensive line against Miami's defensive line, you could boil down the whole game in a way to who wins that battle. Um, so we'll see. When going back to my, my dear King pick, like I, I think at, given how this has, has played out and, you know, now it's turning into one of the games of the week. Does that matter? I mean, who knows? I think the players like take that into account. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I could see them riding him to, to the win if, if it's tight. Like, I've said it in the past, like there's going to be a game where Derek King is just going to run it like 25 times. Is this the game? I don't know. I think we saw it a little against yeah. NC state when the game was in doubt. I mean, they took some just direct snaps and he just what went off tackle to the left. Like, yeah, I think there's more of those calls on the play sheet um, and we could potentially see them at, at one point. So big game like this on the road um, where you're going to have to score points. Like, yeah. That's that's kind of why I'm I'm circling him. Um, let's let's get into the sports line projections. My favorite segment, the uh, over unders. I should have been tallying up, you know, how many of these you've hit uh, this season. So, <laughs> so sports line, which is part of the the CBS uh, umbrella, um, they have Miami winning the game. Their their computer simulations, thirty four to thirty three. So that would kind of line up with uh, the. Vegas spread and that's also 67 points and I think the over-under is like 68 <laughs> so right on the dot wow um first one I got for you De'Ara King over under 305 yards of total offense like I feel like this is an obvious over yeah I'll take the over you know I think there is potential that he passes for 300 yards alone and, and if he does that he's gonna run for more than five yards yeah um, well they got so. him with Two two forty four passing, sixty three rushing. I, I guess my question is, do you think an, another one? This will be an unofficial one, like over under sixty three rushing yards. Would you um, lean over on that? See that I I probably would. The only thing that gives me hesitation there is, in general, I would be disappointed if the backs, if the running backs, don't have a productive day too. Um, so there could be a scenario where. Cam Harris, Jalen Knighton, Don Chaney have good days. And so there's not really much, you know, they don't really need Derek to run the ball. Um, so that's the only thing that would give me pause. But I think taking the over on that makes sense too. Yeah. Uh, I'm avoiding Mike Harley because like they project him at two catches and I think he's definitely going to get over that. Um, so yeah. I, I, I scrolled down to another receiver, Keyshawn Smith. Um, I'm assuming maybe he'll be, he'll be available or what, right? Yeah, he should be. I think so. Yeah. Over under one and a half catches. I'll take the under. I think they're just going to ride with the vets moving forward. Do you think, do you think they've separated themselves? Like, yeah, I think so. I think those top three have even separated themselves significantly from Jeremiah Payton. Um, that's concerning. So unless... Unless they come out and just have a bad game, which I don't, I'm not expecting anymore. I think they are confident now. And, you know, so 
yeah, I don't think there's much of a window anymore for these young guys to take snaps from them. So as much as everyone in Coral Gables gets criticized for their decisions, you're saying that Rob Likens and Rhett Lashley putting a bunch of oars on the depth chart <laughs> was a smart coaching move? I mean, yeah, it's a corny move at the same time. Like, you know, it makes the cynical sports writer roll his eyes. Uh, but it worked. Like, you can't argue with the results. I will say this. Like, I do think Rob Likens is a beast wide receivers coach. Like, I think he's a stud. And, uh, you know, I think we're kind of seeing that play out here during the course of this season. Two, two, I mean, two thoughts on that. Number one, like, as much on our message board like there's just thread after thread always bassing coaching i mean no one ever gives credit for like them potentially maybe figuring out what's you know how to motivate these receivers and number two i'm starting to kind of like agree with you on that on that likens take um like nikhil nikhil harry at arizona Arizona state like he got so much out of him and now nikhil is like not really like doing much with the patriots and you know there's different factors injuries offense all that stuff but I do kind of find that interesting. Um, yeah. You know, I think they got a really good wide receivers coach. Um, and probably future offensive coordinator. <laughs> maybe. I mean, you know, it's certainly he's done it in the past and he runs the air raid. So it could make sense if Rhett Lashley decides to move on in, in the future, whenever that would be. But yeah, um, Rob Likens and Garen Justice. I mean, all these guys Manny added this year, I think I've been – phenomenal additions uh all right two more over-unders hendon hooker over under 70 rushing yards i'm dying to hear what you got on this <laughs> i'm gonna take the over dude uh yeah i mean the guy's averaging 100 yards per game already i think if you're betting the under you're you're betting that Miami's able to sack him a bunch of times right which might happen but I'm expecting him to, like I said kind of earlier in the podcast, just take on a heavy workload in this game. And so I think he'll end up with more than 70 yards. You agree? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, here, follow up uh, an additional one. Over under longest rush, 22 yards for Hendon Hooker. Oof. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't want to think about the over on that, so I'll I'll go under. <laughs> I will say, like, if they ever had a prop bet for Derek King, like over under longest rush, I would always smash the over. Like he's had some long ones at different points oh, this yeah. season. Yeah, he hit like a fifty-something yarder against Clemson. That's impressive. I think it was longer. I thought it was like sixty. I no, it was like it was. 54, right? Yeah, because pregame I was in the press box. I'm like, yo, Derek King over under 55 rushing yards, and he almost <laughs> got it in one play. Um, okay, last one. Khalil Herbert, let's assume he plays over under 70 rushing yards. I mean, if Miami holds him under, like you would have to yeah. think they've won the game. I'm going to go over if, if Khalil Herbert plays. Um, but, you know, the, the dangerous thing with betting this is that he might not play, right? Uh, yeah, except most sports books, um, they have like a, uh, if you read the rules, like the player has to, uh, play at least one snap and be okay. dressed on the sidelines. Like that's, that's kind of the rule. So, um, against Liberty, he played one snap though. And so then you would have made money. 
Right. So if he play, like if he's, I guess the point is if he's legitimately playing, he's going to get more than 70 yards, but you're basically betting whether or not he's going to play a full game. I think with that bet. Yeah. I mean, but Miami's defense has um, like, look at the NC state game. I think in the first quarter, like Miami's defense didn't really want to tackle anyone. The better running backs they've played this year, they have not done a good job of containing, you know, Travis Etienne, uh, Javian Hawkins, uh, and Khalil Herbert is producing at the same level as those guys. So if Khalil Herbert's at full strength, he's going to get his hundred yards. Rank, rank Khalil uh, amongst those other two. Like, um, I would probably put him third to be honest, but okay. that doesn't mean he's not good. Like he's very good. He's just not quite as explosive as Etienne and Hawkins. I'm a big Hawkins fan. Um, you know, Hawkins doesn't have the size that Herbert does. Herbert has impressive balance and power, uh, but Hawkins can explode on you for long touchdowns, and I'll take that all day. Okay, well, let's get into our uh, predictions. So again, I said Sportsline has Miami winning 34-33. to 33. I didn't have time to look up Odd Shark. Um, I've seen a lot of people actually picking Miami, like some quote-unquote national experts uh, yeah. I've also seen people point out that this is like the perfect trap spot for um, sure. Miami. Uh, so I'll start with mine. Uh, to be honest, I woke up this morning and I was <laughs> ready to pick Virginia Tech. Ooh. Um, Are you going to do it? I'm not. I do not want the backlash from it. Homer. <laughs> uh, I think this is going to be close. Like, let's be honest. I think this will be a close game, which means it'll – you know, I, I said play the under in the NC State game. That was oh, that almost covered in the in the first half. But I, I think I think it'll be close. Um, yeah. And I think both teams are going to score points. So I got Miami thirty five, Virginia Tech thirty three. Um, and I think you know Miami can win this game if if they hold Virginia Tech um, under thirty points. So what is that? Four touchdowns. You know. I, I think Miami can get to five touchdowns, I guess, is is what I'm saying. So I think it'll yeah. be close. I mean, I can absolutely see Virginia Tech winning this game. Oh, I agree. Virginia Tech can win this game. Um, my my pick is along similar lines as you. The, the margin's a little greater. I'm picking Miami to win 38 to 28. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a close game for the majority of the game. Uh, to me, like we talk about the Khalil Herbert injury, that is a big deal, but Virginia tech is banged up at a lot of different positions, key positions for them outside of Khalil Herbert. And, you know, we'll see how those, how those end up going. I think an hour before the game, because Virginia tech announces that stuff too, an hour before the game. But in general, you know, I think Miami is a little more well-rounded as a team. Uh, Virginia Tech does one thing really, really, really well. And Miami's going to have to account for that. But Miami, uh, you know, their offense is a little more balanced. Their defense, there are concerns with their run, run defense. But in general, their defense is playing much better than Virginia Tech's defense. And Miami's special teams has been playing better than Virginia Tech's. So, uh, again, Virginia Tech is certainly good enough to win this game. Um, but I'm picking Miami 
are you saying that the special teams is playing better because of uh, the the miscue last last week from Justin Fuente, or is they had like a muff punt as well? Oh, okay, um, like in Miami hasn't had a muff punt. Well, fair, uh, fair, but uh, yeah, I'm still sticking with that point that Miami special teams is playing better. Okay, well, I'm I'm fact checking you over here. That's Bring why. it. Bring it. Um, final thing for me, I had on. I know I saw some people tweeting about this. Fox Sports Florida was playing the 2008 state title game on, I think they played it on Wednesday and Tuesday night. But anyways, it was um, a sophomore Teddy Bridgewater leading uh, Miami Northwestern against Sanford Seminole, which had Ray Ray Armstrong, Dyron Dye, and Andre DeBose. That was awesome to watch. Did you see a young David Lake on the sideline taking photos? Were you there? Oh, yeah. I was there, dude. I was working that game. You are in the cut? Yeah, man. Yeah, big Ray Ray Armstrong guy here uh, um, at that time. Well, here's my takeaway. After watching pretty much that entire game um, and then having watched James Williams, I think James Williams is more safety than Ray Ray Armstrong was. Ooh, okay. Tell me why. I mean, it was on TV, but I, I just thought Ray Ray was a lot, looked bigger and like had a bigger frame. But again, it's what, 12 years ago, so maybe pads are different. Um, but I, I, that was just kind of like one of my thoughts coming out of it. My other thought was, <clears throat> excuse me, like, Super teams have ha- have kind of killed like how awesome high school football used to be. Like Ray Ray Armstrong played quarterback, <laughs> and then yeah, played he was incredible. Yeah, but it's like has IMG just killed that? Like guys don't go both ways anymore. It kind of sucks. Yeah, I mean honestly, it was rare even back then to be honest. Um, but yeah, I mean Ray Ray was a monster. He put that team like, like they had some other good players like Andre Debose who ended up at Florida. Dyron Dye ended up at Miami, but he put that team on his back. They haven't, they weren't much before him and they haven't really been much as a program since. And, uh, you know, he put them on his back to win that game. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was texting my buddy who was also watching. I mean, I'm sure most of the people listening have, have seen this game and if not, you can find the game winning touchdown pass from Ray Ray to DeBose with like, I think less than a minute left. And I text my friend. I'm like, the guy who just threw this pass is currently on the, the Seattle Seahawks practice squad roster as a linebacker. Like, it's just insane to me. Like he yeah, was, I mean, that tells you how talented he is though. Cause he, you know, he never embraced being a linebacker at Miami. He, uh, you know, they wanted him to be a linebacker. He wouldn't do it. He got caught up in the Nevin Shapiro stuff and, you know, him and Al Golden too didn't exactly get along. And so he, we never saw him blossom at Miami, but he's, you know, ever since he's hanging around in the NFL and that just tells you how talented he is with his, his length, his size, his combination, his combination of speed. Um, He's an impressive talent. Unfortunately, it didn't really work out at Miami as well as it should have. Uh, but I still stand by him being a, a big, big, big time talent coming out of the high school uh, level. 
Yeah. It was just cool to see that like Fox sports, uh, Florida. Like if you listen to this podcast, play more of those games, please. What'd you think of Teddy B? Well, I didn't know he was a sophomore until I think I texted you. Um, he's, it was, he was, I mean, he was super raw, but like, dude, you could see it. It was good for me to like witness that. Cause now I know what it could, to compare it to when other people are like, Oh, this guy's really good as a high school quarterback coming out of South Florida. Like you hear all the time coaches will be telling you that this guy's the next big one. And it's like, uh, okay. But now, now, now I have a sample size to see. Um, I think at one point in the game, he was like five of seven for 143 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, that is insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the crazy thing too, is he had to deal with the expectations of following Ja'Cory Harris and that crew. Yeah. So like they had just had the best team in the country at the high school level. And Teddy comes in as a sophomore and does that. Now they ended up losing the game is disappointing, but man, he was, yeah, you could definitely tell at that time, this guy's going to be a star. Just cool. Cool. Cool to witness and kind of compare what recruiting was 12 years ago to what it is now. Um, David, <laughs> no, you're not. That's not what I was saying at all. That's not what I was trying to infer. I just thought it was cool. Oh, like, I, it was watch Mac football or watch that. I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch this. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. We will be back uh, Saturday or Sunday, recap podcast. And then um, I'm sure we'll talk recruiting at some point moving forward. Appreciate you guys listening. Follow, subscribe, like. Uh, it's much appreciated. Thanks, guys. Take care.